It's episode 1060, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. Uh, Derek Miner is once again out on the road uh, doing his album preview tour. So look him up and we miss him and say hi uh, for us. And Jamie, you're you're you travel all the time and stuff, but you're about to leave. You're heading. You're I'm going heading to, Branson. to Branson this weekend, guys. And... Okay, so I've been there years ago. I worked at a camp that's in Branson. Yeah. And then I have a feeling that I went once before when I lived in Tennessee that I don't have very many memories about. But. I hear it's a thing. Like, it's a whole, like, Branson's a thing. My parents are the type of people that watch Fox News and TBN and nothing else. And they vacationed there last year and were talking about how wonderful all the dinner shows were and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Branson is old, white, Christian Las Vegas. Oh. That is exactly what it is. They have dinner theaters. It's like the cleaner Vegas. I yeah, like it's I like Dino, confess. the Christian pianist, has a big dinner theater, and it's like they have passion plays, yeah. and it's like the 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 whole town is built as a Christian Las Vegas. Oh, so I am, well, I'm, I'm speaking hoping... at a at a Christian conference, so maybe it's in the. I mean, it's like some people go to Vegas for work. I'm heading to Branson, but the, the other thing about Branson though is like there is well, they, I've never been. So let me preface oh. it by that. Wait, wait, but, you never, uh, I said over you, me and Buddy's road trip there as a joke one time. You didn't go when you were in the Midwest? I'm surprised. I, I, I did go to Vegas, but I never went to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Similar, it's a similar yeah. thing of like when you and I road tripped up to the Creation Museum and stuff. Yeah. It's like, I have to see this for myself. So in one yeah. weekend, me and a bunch of buddies road trip to Branson, Missouri. And uh, yeah, I, I, I've never had the pleasure, but <laughs> this is my, my perception is built through Branson, like programming that comes out of Branson, which there's, there's like a lot of Christian, uh, uh, like media institutions broadcast live from Branson or mm-hmm. it's actually never live. It's, it's some weird straight to tape that plays late at night. But like my perception my the other thing with Branson, because I think you're both right on, it is like old people, white Christian Vegas. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also a sense that the apocalypse is coming at any single 100%. moment. And if it happens, you want to be in Branson. You better believe oh. you want to be in Branson because it's from my understanding of some of the programming I've seen that originates from Branson. It's basically a fortified city with vats and vats of totally imperishable, like Thanksgiving dinners that is just hiding in bunkers around the city, waiting for that first trumpet to sound. Does anyone else also have that like looming? kind of dark underbelly of Branson that seems like it's just waiting and, and kind of hoping for the apocalypse? Or is that just my perception of Branson? We're Branson people. I'm just like kind of nervous so, about heading there. I feel like I should confess I did go to Branson on a family vacation yes, in high you school. Should okay, that. and um, how did you feel? We wrote, like my family road trip there with like another family of our, or family friends. Um, it, it wasn't my pick for my spring break. But I also couldn't drive, so I was kind of stuck doing it. <laughs> you uh, were a child. I yeah. Well, I, how old was I? I had to have been like fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Um, it was fine. 
there is a lot of interactive museums. So there's that. The Titanic Museum is actually pretty cool. Okay. Um, but even which, that, even that, here's a museum yeah. to remind you of a, of a disaster. <laughs> Because and that's also, why in Branson, of- Missouri, is there a Titanic museum? Like because there's a Titanic exhibit and every tourist trap. Myrtle Beach has one. Orlando oh. used to have one. Okay, but those are at least near the water. No, no, no. It's just like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, or any of these like chains that show up in all the like the kitschy, tacky tourist towns. This well, Titanic the experience look thing. Like the Titanic because they rebuilt mm-hmm. the building. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. The one in Orlando um, did. It went out of business. Maybe they moved it up to Branson. I don't know. They shipped but, it up there. Hey, uh, Jamie, I'm on explorebranson.com if right. you want to look at some nice. Well, they have uh, plenty of articles on how to plan your uh, lovely stay. Uh, here's an article bowling in Branson. It tells you all the good bowling options that you have there in Branson. Places to have a picnic in Branson is another article. Uh, places to drive. In Branson, um, well, Christmas shopping in Branson. Um, I'm really sad to report that I'm like mm. gonna be there for like 23 hours, and that includes oh. flying and speaking and all the things. So, and the Titanic Museum well, visit. Well, listen, J- Jamie, no man knows the hour or the day, but if it happens, <laughs> if it happens to happen, the second coming during that 23 hour window, let me just say this you're gonna be just fine. No Thank matter you. what your end times theology are, <laughs> you're gonna be in the right place. Trust me. All right. They're, they're I will prepared. report back, guys. I will they're report prepared. back. The rest of humanity will be being picked off by <laughs> locusts and the Antichrist and his minions, and you're gonna be privy to vats of, of imperishable mashed potatoes and dinner shows. You'll be, you're gonna ride this thing out. Just fine. Just fine. I would Just love fine. to play the mashed potatoes in a dinner show. That would be great. I'm in. <laughs> oh, they have an aquarium now. They're in Branson. <laughs> oh, the aquarium is nice. Cameron, when you get, we go down the a rabbit hole, look up Jim Baker's Morningside condo community. It's oh, basically a condo community oh. marketed as a way to survive the, the end time. Jesse, I is watched. Is it in Branson? I, yes. yes. I watched the Jim Baker show like Friday night, late at night. My guilty pleasure is not watching bad stuff on TV. I watch Christian television and I, yeah. and, and I Just watch. worse than the bad stuff. I, I find myself watching with my jaw agape watching the Jim the Baker show and his conspiracy theories and his little commune that I he's Jim built. Baker died. No, just on the inside. No, he went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> just his heart. Yeah. Oh, he <laughs> is still alive. It was Tammy that died. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. And got she had it. a heart of gold. She, she was, she was a real one. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, here's an article. Girls getaway in Branson. Um, I, I'll forward that over to you guys. Ooh, maybe um, that could be the new Bachelorette Central instead of Nashville. Just like Nashville. <laughs> they know their target audience because here's an article taking the grandkids to Branson. That's an article. Yeah. Dude, how, who, what enterprising young filmmaker, or I say young, probably an old filmmaker at this point, <laughs> is going to do the Christian hangover version about a trip oh to Branson gosh. gone wrong with oh, like I hope four, so. four boomer friends road trip to Branson for like a retirement party or something. Like an 80 for Brady. But it's kind of, but it's like but it's a hangover. It's like it all goes wrong. What happened in Branson stays, stays in, Branson. In, in, in Branson. Hey, but it, it, you yeah. know what? We need to actually like we might be throwing them some shade. We need to give it to them because they have developed something and they are onto something and they are reaching their target market and they yeah, are exactly they are doing what they came to do in Branson. Exactly. I mean, uh, it's working. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's an article. Follow the Branson Fudge Trail. So well, that if you would great. like 
if you would like some tips on all the fudge spots in Branson, I can well, that, send that to you. That's the plot of the movie. That, that the, <laughs> these four boomer friends, they the go. Fudge trail. They, 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 the first stop on, on their wild weekend is the fudge trail, and they all overindulge. <laughs> and while they're all like sleeping off this sugar high and crash, it all goes wrong. It's a fudge hangover. That's from the their fudge hangover. Trail. <laughs> yeah, is is too. They overdid it on the on the on the walnut fudge. And look at them now, man! What adventures they got in. You know, <laughs> there's a whole article on the stores at Branson Landing. They literally wrote the tourism bureau wrote an article about the mall. Come look at our mall. Here are the shops inside of the mall. <sighs> so you're up for a fun time there. I can't wait, guys. Yeah, take pictures. <laughs> I'll need them. I'll need, I need the research for the script I'm working on. (laughs) All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, One of our favorite authors and speakers, Rebecca Lyons joins us later. Uh, We also have at the end of the show, we played it a week ago, but uh, we played it with Derek and Jamie and Jesse had to go and Emily wasn't with us. So we're bringing it back. We are playing. Would you rather at the end of the show today? I really liked it, but stay tuned right now. I'm next. It's slices. listening to Blonde Shell. The song is Salad. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, um, I have a, a pretty shocking piece of news. Um, I hope it's one, what I think it is. But but I also have a theory about it okay. that I want to uh, propose. Okay, I hope, I hope it's what I think. Uh, th- this, this came uh, from a, a recent survey of 2000... Uh, young men, ages 18 to, to 42. So Gen um, Z and millennial. Yeah. Um, and it was about hygiene. Okay. About men's, young men's, reason, relatively young men's hygiene habits. A lot of the findings were pretty shocking, but I want to hone in on one stat that uh, uh, is specifically shocking. It's that 54% of men uh, surveyed said they they brush their teeth at least once a day. That means forty six percent are not brushing their teeth at all on any given day. Mm. That is a massive, almost half of young men ages eighteen to forty two. At least in this sample size of two thousand of them, almost half do not brush their teeth on a daily basis. I can't to me, that wrap my head. I can't even imagine this now. But here is the thing, guys. I I've, I have a theory. Um, well, well, well there say, was other there was other stuff too. Like even fewer people wash their face every day. 
Like yeah. what was it like? Okay. 30, but, but those, only but those aren't shocking to me. I don't I wash my face with, every day. Yeah, I, I li- I've I've lived with enough guys that 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 all these about moisturizing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Listen, I'm surprised. Thirty percent people washing the dudes washing their face seems high to me. Okay, like none <laughs> okay. of those other ones were shocking. To <laughs> okay, me. okay, gotcha. like the, the teeth brushing were, one. Yeah, if if you've ever if if anyone has like you know a, a brother or male roommate or or you've been in close proximity to dudes, mm-hmm. that is not surprising at all. You know, I mean, they can go. I mean, I've known guys who have probably gone weeks without a proper face wash. You know what I mean? Like just just a rinse it, in the shower. Yeah, we're wiping it down with a dry towel, you know, or a t-shirt wipe or something. I mean, that's, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I do that. I'll just shower. I don't like yeah. go do yeah. a face routine or something. Right. Yeah. That, so none of those were shocking, but the teeth brushing. But That's do, crazy. Do you, do you guys want to hear my theory though? Yeah. Because I would I've run like into to hear this, it. Okay. Um, I, I'm a daily, multiple times a day, toothbrusher. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. Right, let me just yes. clarify. But during COVID, Okay, when we're all staying home, right? Like when when everyone was in work from home and we were all going out less during that stretch. Did it ever feel like, because to me, when I brush my teeth, it's the last, I like to do the last thing I do before. I I, I do it after I have my coffee, Mm. after I I use a little mouthwash before, right? When I get out. But I've read, it was actually, it was some NPR little clip that you shouldn't drink coffee right after you brush your teeth. Because when after you brush your teeth, You've kind of stripped away a lot of like the, the enamel and replaced it with fluoride. Now it's good to just let that sit on there, but if you drink soda or coffee right after, your teeth are more susceptible to cavities right after. So the brushing the teeth is like right when I'm about to walk out the door. Okay. I've had my coffee, I've ate my breakfast, but I ran into this thing during COVID. It was like when you brush your teeth, your day is starting, right? But during COVID, like when we all were working from home and all sort of in that semi weird quarantine, there was just days that never feel like they officially got started. Yeah, like weeks. And if you brush your teeth, you're acknowledging the day is starting. If you don't brush them, then it's like, well, I'm just kind of in sweatpants. I'll get started eventually. I might, let me check this email real quick. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Now I'm going to go to the kitchen now. And days just kind of like slogged into this never starting routine. And I think the not brushing, my theory is that's where this came from. I don't think pre 2020 or whatever. I, I don't know if this was the, the issue. I think people got used to not brushing their teeth during COVID because it signified the start of a day that they never really wanted to start. Am I going out on a limb here? Or do you guys think hey, there's I, anything I, to it? I, I, what I can't wrap my head around is feeling the fuzzy teeth all day and being aware right. that you probably have bad breath all day. Like how... How do you function? Like, how are you not aware of that all day long? Unlike you, Jesse, I couldn't wait until an hour after waking up to brush my teeth. I brushed my teeth the second my feet hit the floor, three steps to my bathroom, I brush my teeth. That's how I start anytime I get up and then go do breakfast and everything after that. I know that's weird and backwards sometimes, but I no, just can't. No, it's not. And that's what I do too. Okay. Like okay, I'll good, go to the bathroom I, and then brush my teeth before I even take a shower. 100%. Because I can, I don't want to feel all that in my mouth. I'm Same. aware of it. Well, what and so about it's mouthwash? Like, <laughs> I don't oh. use mouthwash. I don't use I mouthwash. Think that's funny. When you get up in the morning, you do mouthwash and then you go eat. Doesn't it change the like? You want to leave all your f- f- plaque on there? Like, I, I'm drinking <laughs> coffee. Look, you don't you see? I'm just implanting rich, dark bean, liquefied bean all over my teeth. Okay, well, why would I? Why, why not just scoop it all off in one layer? Why, why scrape it off? <laughs> Go layer it back up. That's like, it'd be like this. It'd be like, let me go take a shower. Okay. Yeah, Clean yeah. my body and right. then literally soak myself in mud <laughs> right after. 
Because that's what you're doing with coffee. You're just <laughs> letting coffee grind like liquid beans. But do you all have over- no more coffee? Because I drink my coffee on the way to work and then I have more. So is that one cup that you do before you brush your teeth, then you're done? I only drink hot coffee in the morning. I will drink like cans okay. of iced coffee in the afternoon, but that's different to me because okay. and here's why. <laughs> they're in a can. I, now look, guys, okay? I'm going to have a demonstration. I have a seltzer here. <laughs> we have a demonstration. I'm touching may, maybe the back teeth only. Watch. Oh, hold on. Just one. Seltzer. <laughs> seltzer and air quotes. See what happened is there. I, it's coming out of a can. So it didn't when, even I, hit your teeth. I I I, I go I go. Uh, I would say it's about a twenty-five degree angle, uh-huh. and it bypasses at least my front teeth uh-huh. and right down the back of my tongue and into my stomach. Okay. Are we all now, trying? If I'm drinking now? A, a mug of coffee. That is full saturation. A wow. lot of times, wow. depending on the shape of the rim of the coffee, Emily, <laughs> I guarantee you that touched some of the front teeth on that sip it of the did, mug. It did. It did. Uh, guys, okay. this is simple physics here at play. <laughs> so, okay, I read something that isn't about this because I still think it's nasty that half of grown men don't brush not their grown. teeth every day. That's, I'll say it. They're 18 to 42? <laughs> 18 to 42 is if you biologically not, grown. <laughs> well, biologically, mentally, a little different there. Well, I mean, I think you could say all men are not full grown. Well, but I anyway. can't say that, uh, but you can say it, yeah. There you go. Uh, but I read this week, we didn't post this because we aren't really like a health blog or teeth blog, but um, we did post this. Y'all are nasty stats. So if you want to read more about the data, you can at our website. But the other thing I read was the thing that uh, coffee does is it lowers the pH in your mouth. And if your pH is below a certain point for more than 30 minutes, that's when your animal starts you know, getting eroded and when you're more susceptible to cavities. So they were talking about the fact that the people who like sip coffee all day long or nurse their coffee for more than 30 minutes they're actually harming their teeth. And the people that like drink their coffee within a few minutes or whatever, that your your mouth pH rebounds, like maybe like have some water afterwards, something like that, your mouth pH rebounds and your enamel is fine. So mm. the coffee doesn't hurt you, but you need to drink your coffee at a normal clip and not just sit there and sip on it all day long is what they were saying. Listen, I don't, like I I don't, do. even, I don't even believe in pH. Okay, <laughs> so I'm a pool owner. <laughs> I'm a pool owner. I maintain my own pool. Cameron's been in it. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very lovely. clean pool. Very clean pool. Very high when pH. I, I could when I <laughs> when I do chemical tests, half of the half of the little readings I just ignore. Not for me. Alkalinity <laughs> don't even know how to adjust that pH. Yeah. I think it's a myth. You know, cyanuric acid. Again, don't know, even know what it is. So anytime anybody goes swimming in the Carrie's pool, <laughs> they're gonna get they're gonna get cavities, is what you're saying. Like, don't drink the no, pool water. No, because no, because it's 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 a myth by the pool company to get me to buy more chemicals. <laughs> there it is. Just give me just give me the shock and I'll take care of the rest. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't need all these ups and downs. Like I said, there are some of those I don't even think I don't even think they, they even know what they are, those pool chemistry people. Trust me. I've had the pool for a while and it's been just fine. But just me managing the shock and none of this pH mythology. <laughs> Big scam. Big scam to buy pH chemicals. Don't Jesse's need out there just sipping on his coffee all day long and just enjoying his high alkalinity pool. Uh-huh. Jesse. Living life. You sound yep. like my whole entire family last night. Speaking of scam and teeth, I went to the dentist. Yeah. They told me I grind yeah. my teeth. I never even knew. I don't know. They said you do it in your sleep. Yeah. So they recommended a night guard. I told sure. my family at dinner last night, yo, this night bucks. guard yeah. costs $500. Yep. And my kids were like, why don't you just go? And my husband actually started this. He goes, why don't you just go get what the boys use for football and yeah. then just sleep with that at night? 
so they think that the dentist is trying to scam me out of five hundred dollars when I okay. can go oh to Academy. Oh my gosh. You're gonna thing. be in bed <laughs> choking. No, listen, listen. with a mouth guard. You've got, yeah, it, but you, you got to like clip it onto your face mask. You got to wear a whole football helmet if you're gonna go this way. Jamie, you're not place. wrong. You are not wrong because my household has purchased and repurchased a handful of those. Okay, that have been lost or whatever, and I know the expense. I'm well aware. But they make those mouth guards now where you can boil Yeah, water, that's what they said. Mm-hmm. And you chomp down <laughs> yeah. on them and it molds to your mouth. Yeah. And it's like $15 a dick sporting exactly. goods. Exactly. <laughs> Versus 500 for some yep. fancy, smancy orthodontic exactly 3D printer. That's exactly what my family thing. said. So, yeah. yeah. I think they're trying to scam. scam me. The pool companies and the dentist. Yeah. Wow. Water hardness level. <laughs> oh, okay. Like that. Since, since water can be hard. Okay. Okay. I, my water's too hard. I got your pool store. Oh, wink, wink. Yeah. I'll let the next sucker. Let the, I'm not washing my hair in there. Okay. Just shock it. Kill all the germs. Let's go for a little swim. All right. I'll let, I'll let you know when we're using the water to fuel a salon next door. Everyone's just fine with the hardness. I will say this. As soon as I got back home from going to Jesse's pool, all of our swimsuits were bleached white. And we, we didn't know why. I think you're Nothing overdoing can, it on the shock there, no buddy. Germs, no germs can live in that pool, okay? I don't care what the pH we, is. We I don't care how hard or bleach. soft it is. We were swimming yeah. in They bleach. just hover above the water. Listen, it, yeah, sure. My water might be a little soft. Sorry. I, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I, I, that, that pool kills COVID, okay? I was having pool parties at the height of the pandemic. At the height of the pandemic, we were having pool parties because nothing can live. Nothing can live in that pool. No, no, nothing. (laughs) Well, so there you go. We have cured all diseases. It's called just go swim in Jesse's pool. It's like the it's like the pool of Siloam or whatever the healing pools back in biblical times. Just go to Jesse's pool and lay on the side, and the the chemicals don't go in you. But just (laughs) I I, just just one caveat: whatever you do, do not open your eyes. Seriously, guys, do not. Do not open your eyes. Okay? <laughs> Unless you have blindness and you want to be healed from it, then open your eyes and the oh, chemicals will well, well, no, no. It, it actually will cause blindness. So I would say that's the one caveat is whatever you do, do not open your eyes. Under it's one. a goggles only pool is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Even then, even then, I would suggest two pair of goggles. goggles you, don't like any, you don't want yeah. any leaking into the eyes. Trust no. me on that. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Emily? Um, speaking of scams, uh, did you guys see that Firefest 2 is oh. finally happening? <sighs> Who asked Tell for me this? more. So, Billy McFarlane, yeah, the mastermind genius behind the first Fire Festival, announced on Twitter that he was working on the next Firefest. Um, and he also tweeted a link or tweeted asking people why they should be invited to Firefest. Um, so As if you if don't remember, if you block. If you've blocked it out of your mind, Firefest was just quite possibly the worst music festival of all time. Uh, there was all this hype around it. All these influencers were saying they were going to it. Um, bunch of trust fed kids, kids wasted a lot of money going to it's this like, $10,000 a Bahamas. ticket or something. It was right? Insane. Um, spent all this money to go and they were met with just terrible conditions. These like... F- um, was it FEMA tents? They were met with mm-hmm. like the saddest looking cheese sandwiches you've ever seen. Not even a grilled cheese, just a cheese sandwich. It was supposed to um, be like luxury and catering yeah. and all this like amazing, amazing opulence. And there was no infrastructure and the entire thing was a catastrophe. And there's documentaries about Disaster, it. Disaster, yeah, the documentary. Yeah. 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 Well, can I, can, I just want to break in for one sec. Mm-hmm. 
Ted, you guys ever been? Did you guys ever go to Cornerstone back in the day? Of course, because that made that made even Fire Festival look like a, a luxury salon. When I was at, it was on Cornerstone was like this Christ, DIY Christian music festival, where I mean, if you wanted to perform and you weren't on like and weren't formally on one of the stages, you could bring lumber, build a makeshift stage, oh, wow. and, and have a generator and just play wherever in the middle of a field, right? Super DIY. <laughs> it made. Are you kidding me? I I was at a, of course so one time when a guy got ran over by his own car because he didn't have anywhere to sleep and he slept behind his car and used the bumper as shelter, but he parked on a hill and it literally the parking brake came off <laughs> oh of the night, gosh. ran him and two other people over in the night. They all were fine. It was a miraculous. Thank goodness. <laughs> thank God thank, it had rained. Thank God the night. it was a Christian festival because there was a lot of thank prayer God, and healing. Thank God right. it had rained pretty heavily the night before. No one had shelter and the ground was very soft because when the car ran over them, they just sunk right in. <laughs> uh, they were fine. <laughs> we, they just had to pull them out of a little uh, you know, puddle hole. But I'm just saying, Firefest looked bad, but you, unless you went to one of those OG farm festivals, then you don't know bad conditions. <laughs> Except it was pitched for rich people. Like, yeah, you know. nobody paid $10,000 to go to Cornerstone. And Cornerstone, you totally knew what you're in for. So you brought camping equipment, you brought right. lumber, you know, roughing <laughs> it. People literally brought lumber and were building tree houses the first day because there's nowhere to sit. Yeah, I remember. It was it was a, it was a fun time, but Fire Festival. So he announces it on Twitter and he says, "Hey, officially, Fire Fest Two is is happening. Why should you be invited?" And the internet roasted this dude. One of the things Good. I saw somebody reply to him was like, "Aren't aren't you supposed to be in jail?" Because if you remember, like he got pulled in for fraud and all this stuff yeah. because of Fire Festival, and and he replied to the guy and he goes, "Well, first of all." To pay back everybody that I owe from the first fire festival, I have to work, and so I'm more likely to be able to pay people back if I ha- if I'm not sitting on my couch. And second of all, I serve my time. So it's like he's just like, why don't you just go get a job like everybody else, man? You don't need to keep throwing bad festivals. I but. just wonder who's going to sign up for this. Like, oh, I saw how well the first one went. Let, yeah. put, right. Put my name on the list. What like? What participant, what artist would want to be associated with it? What brand would want to be associated with it? And who was dumb enough to buy tickets? Like, it's crazy. So anyway, but never give up on your dreams, kids. That's what we're trying right. to say. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. That's what he's <laughs> we'll doing. We'll make more Netflix documentaries about it. Yeah, yeah worst case scenario. <laughs> we got a really fun follow-up documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay. So... Everyone except for Emily, I think, on this call was alive in the 80s. Emily, what year were you born? Uh, 1995. Wow. Okay. So we were all born <laughs> in the 70s, I'm guessing, all the rest of us. And Not so, Jesse. Jesse? Yeah. 83. What? Wow. Cameron, yeah. am I the oldest or are you? I was born in 78. Oh, you are by about 10 years. Cameron, that's not true. Okay, I'm older than you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I saw this article at Relevant put out, and I remember this as a young kid, this satanic panic of the late yeah. 1980s. Okay. Do mm-hmm. you guys have any memory of this hysteria happening? Yeah. Yes. I, I have a memory of of like I guess like the tail end 
mainly there, there was a brief concern in my home at one point about Gargamel on the Smurfs. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> he was infiltrating, and then we laughed. And, and then your parents let that go. Smurfs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. That seems yeah. pretty ridiculous that some cult would infiltrate our home via Gargamel on the Smurfs. Yeah. I remember, I, I do remember because it was like, it was kind of before Dateline and those shows, but mm-hmm. there was like news specials or like the local news would have segments about this, how like satanic like clubs were like meeting in the high school baseball field dugout and sacrificing chickens. Yeah. And like, and there was like this paranoia that Satanism was taking over the young people. Mm-hmm. And so in the church world, I remember they were like hell's gates and, or heaven's, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames plays and they were talking about Hell's Bells, like documentaries about rock music. And it was about Satanism and listening to stuff backwards on a on an album and their satanic messages. And there was all this paranoia in the church world that Satanism was infiltrating well, our young people. Well, mm-hmm. well, not only that, child abduction was a big part of that. And they were because actually they would claim, several- yeah. That, that repressed memory, that children were being abducted by these satanic cults and were subjected to these r- rituals and that they were only revealing the, 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 their memories because of uh, they, they were repressed memories uh, via some sort of like brainwashing and trauma. And there were several people that, you know, these kids, it, it was it was an early, well, an early, a, a late, a, a, rec- a somewhat recent example of like mass hysteria where people hear about something that is deeply disturbing and suddenly they think they've experienced it. And there were people who literally went to jail for being involved with satanic cults that were abusing children that was just fabricated by the children who were brainwashed by the panic. I remember. You know, I mean, we, it's not dissimilar from what we see with like the whole QAnon and groomer thing. It's like, look, obviously abuse happens and there's a reality of it. But it, when it's conflated with just sensationalism, the real problem gets, uh, you know, uh, obscured in favor of something that is literally just fabricated and spreads because it's sensational and and incites panic. Anyway, sorry, Jamie. Yeah, no, I remember this. And a, and a moral panic. Yeah, a moral panic. Like you're talking about, like the Q stuff. Like the the fact that somebody today would have the actual worldview and think that it's factual that all Democrats are yeah. pedophiles. Right. And if you saw the 60 Minutes interview with with Marjorie Taylor Greene, she literally said that, and the interviewer just kind of shook her head, but didn't say that's Mm -hmm. not right. You know what I mean? Like there's literally people who believe that. And so if you look at it from their vantage point, of course they should be terrified and outraged about that if it was true. And just like in the late eighties, you know, all these parents are saying, no, there's a Satan club at the high school and my, this kid over here got abducted by Satanists. Of course they'd be freaked out Mm -hmm. if it was true. It just wasn't. I remember this too in my small Texas town Mm -hmm. as well. Guys, if this all sounds like something you're interested, I have some good news for you, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm involved in a satanic cult that I want to tell you about. Peacock has a new thriller series called Hysteria, and it's a show that's going to explore America's mass hysteria surrounding the satanic panic in the late 80s. So it's a modern family actress, Julie Bowen, is going to star in it, and it's going to follow a group of teenage misfits uh, exploring the growth, growing fear of occult activity in their small Midwestern town. Exactly what we just described. Uh, this is what's happening. They've got a quarterback who disappears and then they go down all of these kind of witch hunt things and there's a new show. So if you're interested, guys, we have it right here for you. You know, and, and like there's been so much nostalgia lately, like 90s in a little 2000s nostalgia mm-hmm. remakes and things like that. It's not surprising that they're doing a nostalgia thing, but it's actually surprising that they're doing a 1980s thing. Like, 
you like it seems like the current nostalgia stuff is like newer than that. So yeah, but but I I, I do think it had it it's suddenly you know prescient again to to mm. explore how fear, especially fear like. Again, the, the child, and, and I hate even talking about it because it's so disturbing, but that's kind of at the heart of this thing mm-hmm. is find the most disturbing thing you can think of, which for most people is the, the exploitation or abuse of a child. Mm-hmm. Right. And then make people believe that it's happening at some grand scale by an ideology that is that, that you know, you can sort of weaponize against. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's a formula, you know, because it simplifies people's emotions into just somewhat it combines two things one is outrage and the other is fear mm-hmm. and those are two of the most powerful human emotions and you know you think like think about if the internet was around during the the, the satanic panic how twitter and reddit and all these things yeah. would just fuel <laughs> these accusations and conspiracies much like they fueled you know accusations conspiracies now about now it's not necessarily this satanic abuse cult it's adrenochrome abuse cults and all this you know stuff that when you hear about it and and peel back the layers sounds like absolute just crazy townness you know what i mean but Malarkey. it's infiltrated yeah mm-hmm. but it's infiltrated a lot of political ideology not mm-hmm. because people are necessarily gullible but because you know i think in some case they are but i think also, because it, it, like I said, it targets two of the most raw human emotions we have, and emotions have a tendency of the, the ability to override intellect. Mm-hmm. And, and like we've seen it in the past, but now we've seen the internet fuel it to a scale that seems genuinely concerning. I think it's, I think it's interesting timing, but like I said, one that I think there's lessons we could learn today from it. You know, I also I think that like the sh- um, like Stranger Things is like mm-hmm. all about like 80s nostalgia and that's like one of the biggest shows that's come right. out within the last 10 years so I think I wouldn't be surprised and I think like the last season they did start kind of dabbling in some satanic panic stuff and mm-hmm. so I think they're maybe drawing from that a little bit and saying oh there's interest here let's explore it so but I also think Jesse's point is right that it's it's in a way still relatable or we can, we can connect to it it's not mm-hmm. like a we can't like see why we're talking about it now. Did you see, we published a stat uh, about nostalgia this week on the site and it was talking about how Gen Z, how each of the different generations, what they're nostalgic for. And it, it was funny because it said Gen Z, specifically people who were born in the 2000s, 34 or 38% of them said that they were very nostalgic for the 90s, a decade they didn't even wow. live in. Wow. And a lot of millennials were really nostalgic for the 80s. And and it's just interesting to see, like, it's almost like they're fascinated with the stuff that happened right before them. So, Emily, this is perfect for you because you'll learn about the 80s by watching the stereo. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Rebecca Lyons joins us.
You're listening to Subtract and Toro Imwa. The song is Days Go By. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Rebecca Lyons. She's a speaker and author who's about to release her newest book, Resilient Life. We talked to her about how to practically build resiliency in our lives and why it's important to fight for consistency in our easy and difficult seasons. Here's our conversation with Rebecca Lyons. get excited when I see you're writing something. And I'm curious, you know, you've, you've written on freedom, you've written on building rhythms, and now you're writing about resiliency. So I want to know what inspired you to write about this? Well, it was a hard fought. <laughs> I really was writing on adversity and I've been kind of curious, you know, a lot of people walking through hard things and have been for a long while. And so I was just wanting to do more research on uh, just hardship, trial, suffering, adversity. Like what is our response? How do we respond? And then COVID hits. And of course, don't write about something unless you want to experience it. And I feel like adversity was a front row seat for all of us. And in so many ways, it, I was really intending it for my kids because I felt like, wow, to grow in resiliency, it's it's not a static thing. It's not like one person's resilient and another person's not. It's actually, it requires building blocks that we incorporate into our daily lives, just like we would with rhythms. And, and so it's going, do we actually have those tools in our tool belt so that when something hard happens, we know what to do or we know we have some form of an established response based on growing through hard things so I wrote it for my kids and then realized or began writing it for my kids and then realized I need this as well went through one of the hardest years I've ever experienced as a mother in 22 years with my oldest and he was largely nonverbal with a down syndrome diagnosis at 22 uh, at the time 20 and just spinning out and honestly what he was experiencing I think so many of us were also experiencing but he didn't have a filter and it was almost like this meta he became a metaphor for what uh, we uh, what we were all questioning and, and confused by and un- undermined by and so man I, I just started to I, I really like to nerd out on science and faith I think that God is a master scientist he made our brains he um, he knows he uses all means necessary for our healing and so I dug deep into early childhood trauma attachment theory bringing joy home from China at five and a half being abandoned at four months at a hospital and then spending the first five years in an orphanage I just really wanted to understand like what does attachment look like how do we rewire our brains how does this result resilience um, becomes something that is in our tool belt versus something that's just aspirational or an idea, but really none of us are bouncing back. I mean, hardship is hardship. Adversity is adversity. And so uh, the way I talk about it in the book is that, you know, the ability to bounce back, it's really real adversity are the ones who stayed when it was easier to leave, who've weathered storms the entirety of their lives, who've understood and understood still that sometimes uh, hardship comes without an end 
end date. And really it's our posture and our tone and our humility and the way we encounter those things that gives us the ability to find strength. mentioned like these five rules that you um, had talked about in the book. Can you kind of briefly walk through them and how someone can implement them into their lives? Yeah. Well, it starts, rule one is name the pain and you can't heal what is hidden. So when hardship comes, sometimes we're like, I'm fine. It's fine. Everyone's fine. And that's just not true. And so if we can name the pain, uh, first with God, I think is if we're safe enough to name it with him, then there's a strong chance we'll be more vulnerable with someone else. And I had to get to the point where I just really would get honest with the Lord. And it looked like a little bit of a wrestling match, but he can handle it. He's good with that. The Psalms are littered with people who have lament and are just like, why have you forsaken me? What is happening? You know, and granted, I think he he receives that just like any loving parent would with a child that just is really hurting. Right. Like, let's just be honest with what is. And so naming that pain. We are so afraid of saying it out loud because we fear that if we do, then all of a sudden that will be the new like normal. And I think honestly, it's the opposite. The minute we begin to confess out loud with something that is really troubling us, it lifts. That burden actually lifts a little bit because we say it to someone who is safe. We say it to someone who will share it with us. And then we begin a rhythm of confession of just going, okay, um, I want you in my life, not because I'm paying you as my therapist or that you're my my family and you're not going to leave. Like family is important, but it would be good to have community um, that we're able to walk through this with and in reciprocity where both people are kind of leading with vulnerability and inviting others in. So name the pain is the first rule. The second rule is shift the narrative and shift the narrative happens once you've said what you thought, you know was the way things were you are able to come outside of it now that you're sharing it with someone and go okay i i hear you and i i'm i'm hearing what you're speaking over me and you're reminding me of what is true in the middle of this pain and it's allowing me to see it a little differently and what i've learned in the book is that uh pain will become purpose if you let it and so this idea of shifting the narrative almost takes the focus off of you and the circumstances right in front of you and puts your uh, your gaze a little bit further out and going, okay, what is this about? What is God doing? What am I learning? How am I growing? How is this going to yield something that I wasn't expecting? Um, I'd never asked to be anxiety girl or, uh, you know, um, mental health or like special needs mama, but that was got what God had for me. And while it felt like pain, obviously initially in all of those areas, it's like part of what I'm here for. It's what God has invited me into. And there's been a lot of joy on the other side of it and, and walking through it. There's been joy in finding purpose in it. So name the pain, shift the narrative. The third one is embrace adversity. And uh, people don't like that. They, they want to run from adversity and they want to let the fear, the bully, the intimidator just grow. And so for me, my history with anxiety or panic attacks would make me want to avoid all the places that I would feel those things. 
And so I get real honest in that section about treat anxiety as a friend and why, because it's the friend that taught me resilience. It taught me what I'm made of. It taught me what's worth fighting for. It taught me how to, when it returns, I know how to respond. And now I'm able to pragmatically uh, do a lot of neuroscience and understanding the brain, how to rewire the brain, how to heal injured neurons in the brain and broken networks that have been um, just disrupted by trauma. And so it's just given me kind of this lifelong passion of how to help people walk through these things and not be intimidated by the anxiety or running from it, uh, whatever that fear might look like, but go like, hey, we're going to take this head on. And so I talk a lot about the difference between anxiety and panic, uh, the diff how long it takes a panic attack to roll through your body, how to respond physiologically to that when it's happening, how to put your brain in a mental space while it's happening um, and let it actually roll through an average anxiety attack is about five to eight minutes um, but once it's done you're good like you can stay in that circumstance indefinitely because you've actually faced it head-on and it didn't take you out I never knew that before because I'd always run too quickly and be like I can't do this get me out of here and so um, I you know it did build resilience and so there's these resiliency techniques throughout the book on how to navigate acute triggers right in the moment I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on um, how do I identify maybe the right people to go to? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they might say like, oh, I can talk to this person. But, you know, there's sometimes there's better friends we could be talking to. So like, how do I identify who's like a good, mm. safe person to go to? Yeah, I think be the friend you wish to have. I wrote that about that in the last book, Rhythms. It's like the you want the kind of friend that you're willing to be for them, right? So become the person that you want to have as a friend, right? Because then you're going to attract that person. And um, so it begins with us, right? It's not somebody else's fault that we don't have a friend to talk to. It begins with us by going, I'm going to be the kind of friend. If I want a friend that's vulnerable and invites me in, I'm going to begin by leading with vulnerability with somebody. And they might go, oh, that must be so sad for you. I'm sorry. And then I'm like, we're not going to probably be very close because a real relationship requires reciprocity, both parties must be honest and vulnerable, not because we're asking to be fixed or solved or a problem. It's because we want someone to walk with us in our pain. That's, that's simply it. Not to commiserate and camp out there and say, woe is me forever, but just to be honest with the reality of what is, knowing that we are putting courage into one another through encouragement. Encourage means to put courage in. So by me saying something like, sometimes I feel blah, 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 you might go, oh, I, I hear you, but I also see this, like, you are so gifted at this. And how can I like encourage you more in that? Or just speaking life over one another, not to reverse what they said, but to go, oh, here's a perspective. I, I never would have thought that you struggled with like the, the idol of credibility. I think you're just so crazy smart, you know, like whatever it is, sometimes people need to just give us a perspective that's not our own to remind us of what is actually true. So we're not just living in the lane of isolation that woe is me, life is terrible. Um, and that lifts, even just the shared response of like, I get, I get it, I hear you, you're not alone. Uh, that lifts, the burden just automatically lifts. Um, and so that's a big piece. And if you're trying to find that person, I would just say, 
test the waters, you know, try just being a person who's pretty honest and straightforward in kindness and humility and try to extend that to somebody else. And I think over time you do find those people. Rebecca Lyons, make sure to pre-order Resilient Life now. Stay tuned up next. It's Would You Rather. to Cisco Swank. Song is all the same. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus's growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus's message turns violent, He's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for Would You Rather. We did this on last week's show, last Tuesday's show, and wanted to bring it back because uh, Emily and Jess here with us. I'm just going to ask a bunch of Would You Rather questions, and I'm just going to go round robin. There's no winner. There's no loser. We just want to get to know you and know what you think. How's that? Well, we're all winners. That's what we should say. We're all winners here, guys. Except for the loser. They're, that's the only one. Except for the four people who you know, don't come out on top of this game. You know who you are. Um, all right. Emily, we're going to start with you. Would you rather wear the same socks for a month or the same underwear for a week? Uh, I would rather wear the same socks for a month. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I can't like... Hands down. Well, okay. I will say I don't... This sounds weird to say. I don't really wear socks that often because I don't really wear. I stay at <laughs> I home a lot, so like do you I don't brush your teeth? socks. I do brush my teeth twice a day. Okay, that's good. That's um, good to know. If my dentist is listening, I brush for two minutes every time. Wow. Um, there's just some. I don't know socks. It's like I don't wear them every day, so it's like if I wear the same pair for a month, I'm not wearing them thirty days in a row. Underwear I do wear every day, so I will be. Changing Thank you for that out. information. You could have just said yes. All right, here you go. Um, <laughs> Jesse, would you rather always have B.O. and not know it or always okay. smell B.O. on everyone else? Ooh. I'd rather smell B.O. because I think it would just blend into the background. You know how when you go over a friend's house for the first time and you're like, that's so a dog. Yeah. Or, or, or they just have a house smell. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, you, you hang out at the house for long enough. You stop. You notice the house smell right when you get in. Right. And it could be a pleasant house smell. Yeah. It could be a bad one. Usually, usually you don't even notice it, you know, by halftime of the football game you came over to watch. 
same thing with that was my theory with the BO on everyone. I would just absorb it and hopefully it fades into the background. There you go. All right. Uh, Jamie, would you rather find a rat in your kitchen or a roach in your bed? Oh, gosh. Ah. I think I would want a rat in the kitchen. I I feel like roach. Roach I just don't like flick them away. No, for me, it's like I don't, I don't, (laughs) I can't imagine the size of your fist in Florida. The the roaches (laughs) down here are huge. For me, it's not what it is. It's I don't want to imagine something was there when I was asleep. That's what it is for me. I'm awake. Mm -hmm. I can deal with this. Get you out. If you're asleep and then you wake up in the morning and you realize you slept with a roach, ah. Okay. Speaking of that, scientific fact that you eat 27 spiders every (laughs) single night. Everyone I was gonna, not I was every gonna night. Say, I'm just joking. Oh, no, I, I, no, yeah, my, my, uh, I had a friend who read a stat of of the frequency of things crawling into your ear canal at night, and after she read that. 15 years ago, could never sleep again without like wrapping her head. Oh. And, like, but I think all of those are made up. I think they're all made up. Because <laughs> Emily, in my look whole it up. Life, You're the researcher. Look it up. How I'm many times you. do things crawl in your ear at night? I don't want to know eat spiders. I don't think, I, I think most people go their whole lifetime without eating one spider in their sleep. I honestly do. I think the number of spiders that we eat in our sleep gets grows bigger and bigger every time someone says it. And if I had to put money on it, we're not eating spiders in our Where sleep. Where are these that spiders coming a, from? You don't see them during the day. They are like, they're nocturnal. The bug crawling in the ears is a rare thing. And it really only happens if you sleep outside frequently, which makes sense. Okay. Done. I don't sleep outside. Or if you live in Florida or Texas where they just <laughs> can go well, where they want to go. Jamie's going to have a whole football helmet now. So she'll actually oh, that's be... That's right. They have ear holes. It's a direct access. Oh, right. It's like a little... Yeah. Um, um, if, if a bug is burrowing into your ear canal, don't you think that'd wake you up? I hope Real so. Talk? Like, what kind of bug is crawling in there? You're not going to feel, okay? Like, give me a break. Like, oh. it just seems, you know, I, I was, again. I was watching an episode of Survivor the other night. <laughs> Always. Still, and a lady, a contestant, had a bug crawl into her ear canal, oh. and it got stuck there for a week. Did she wake up? She felt it immediately See? and could hear it burning around in her exactly. ear canal. That, that's my point. This isn't happening without us knowing it. Okay? You can hear it. It's directly on your eardrum. Okay? It's it's attempting to wake you up. Right? <laughs> no, it's attempting to eat your brain. Oh, it's my attempting- gosh. This is making me can feel we so please gross? Move on? <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about bugs in my ears for the rest of my life Me now. too. Uh, let's see. Would you rather get a paper cut every time you turn a page or bite your tongue every time you eat? I think I'd rather bite my tongue. I read. Here's the thing. I read a lot. And so I'm thinking like I'm turning pages more frequently than like I can just take big bites. And then Mm. so I'm biting my tongue less, but I'm turning my page more. (laughs) I will. I will say this. The painfulness of paper cuts. I was building Legos this weekend and I went to open the cardboard box and I slid my finger and I gave myself a nasty paper cut and it hurt really bad. And it's tough to build Legos if you have paper cuts on your fingers because it's painful. Anyway, I was bleeding. So I go to the medicine cabinet to get a little Band-Aid for it. And it's a metal 1960s medicine cabinet because of a mid-century house. And I go to open it. And my finger drags along the metal and slices the other hand wide open. Blood is gushing everywhere. Um, paper cuts are not good. And no. cuts on your finger are not good. See, I have so. like a little more than a, a paper cut, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, go try to build Legos with like then bloody yeah. bandaged fingers and stuff. Well, yeah. If I, I put agree. a Band-Aid on, then I don't get any more. I just get one paper cut. 
and then I put a bandaid on and then I'm fine. I was probably overthinking. I was going to say like, if I were to wear gloves, would that be like, is like, <laughs> nah, it's getting through is, the gloves. Is, is, you got to get a paper turning cut. The, but here's the question is me turning the page, giving me the paper cut, or is there some person in the room that's like, oh, oh you turn the page. Here you go. Exacto. A little exacto knife. <laughs> he's got, he's got like a manila folder and he's Bryce. just like, oh, ah, okay. Okay, bro. I got it. I got it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Um, Jesse, would you rather die in 20 years with no regrets or live to 100 with a lot of regrets? Ugh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess I, I, I'd probably take the long life. I, I feel like with a lot know. of regrets. What did you do with that long life? I, exactly. I mean, who knows? Was 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 I the person that made it my professional job to administer paper cuts to people who made weird decisions? <laughs> were, were you uh, the founder game? of Firefest Three? I, you know, who knows? Yeah. Like, did, did did I live with multiple bugs just burrowed <laughs> next to my ear canal because I didn't wear safety gear at night? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I'll take the long life and hopefully the the pluses outweigh the regrets. All right, Jamie, would you rather be able to take back anything you say or hear any conversation that's about you? Oh, I want to, I don't want to hear any conversation about me. That's a stressful 100%. life. Ignorance is bliss. Absolutely. Yes. Right. yes. Totally agree. And taking back things that we say would be helpful from time helpful. to time in life. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Real quick. Last round. Here we go. Uh, Emily, would you rather lose all your friends but keep your best friend or lose your best friend but keep the rest of your friends oh wow oh my gosh <laughs> and, and we should preface when we say lose they will be killed oh my gosh. <laughs> they will, no they will be lost to a satanic cult in town um, oh my lost forever. Gosh. they yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do mean lose uh, i know i don't want anyone to die um this is the very high stakes question i and let's name I think who your the best death friend is, took too. it to a new level, Cameron. That's <laughs> I know the death is really what. No, just say, okay. You guys fall apart. You lose your yeah, friends. Yeah, you just outside. lose touch. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, I do have one person in mind. Like I know who the the friend would be, and honestly, all of my other friends know who it would be. I think I would keep my best friend and mm. lose the other ones. There you go. She's all been right. with so, me okay. for my whole so, life. So, so yeah. hold, on, hold on. So you're just saying all of us on this podcast are dead. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. We're in a cult now. We just got sacrificed. It was nice knowing y'all. Yeah. In the yeah. dugout. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Great. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Jesse, would you rather stay the age you are physically forever or stay the way you are now financially forever? I would probably take physically forever. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, finances come and go. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you got to yep. take care of yourself. You, you know, you, you feel good. You run around. Do stuff, That's good. You know? And last question, uh, Jamie, would you rather buy all used underwear or all used toothbrushes? Uh, I'm going to go with like, listen, no matter what I say, you guys are going to roast me. I'm going to go with used underwear and I can just wash those suckers. Uh, wash them Jesse's pool. Nothing so lives. Exactly right. I am not putting a used toothbrush in my mouth. Some things don't wash out. Some things don't wash out. I don't, I don't care how much chlorine. I don't care how much chlorine you're dumping in there. You know, or how hard or soft that, that water is. There was a, there boil, was a scene. boil the toothbrush. Boil the toothbrush. You'll be fine. Oh. There was a there was a scene on Survivor where they were boiling their their laundry, 
And one of the guys who they didn't like very much, older guy, came over. He wanted to throw his underwear into the mix. And and there was a whole argument because they didn't, the girls didn't want his underwear in the mix because he was like having to defend that those were dirt stains. I promise you, it's just dirt. <gasps> oh. And like there was a whole thing because Jesse's point. There's some things you can't boil out that, and they yeah. were not going to take the chance that yeah. that was yeah. going to enter. If I got accused of that, I would just leave the show immediately. I would not be able to redeem myself. I would say, all right, it was a good try. You I'll go see find you. out. You, you put your own torch out and you're just like, Peace. Yeah. Right, you you surrender the immunity idol. Yeah, I'm, I'm gone. All right. All right. That'll do it for Would You Rather. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Rebecca Lyons for joining us. Make sure to uh, pre-order her, her new book. It's called Resilient Life. You don't want to miss it. She's a great author. I like her stuff a lot. Also, a few updates. Make sure to check out the spring issue of Relevant. It's out now. You can read it for free at relevantmagazine.com. All the articles are there. The ad supported experience right there. Just click on the magazine tab. You'll find great conversations with Beth Moore, Fits in the Tantrums, the cast of Creed 3, including our cover story on Michael B. Jordan and the very personal direction he decided to take the film in his directorial debut. A lot of other great content as well. You don't want to miss it. Um, it's all right there. If you want to get the enhanced, elevated, beautiful experience, you can sign up for Relevant Plus um, and download it right away. You get ad-free reading at the website. You get this podcast ad-free, exclusive subscriber podcast each week as well. It's uh, the best way to experience our content, and we will be adding more and more to the Realm Plus membership as the year goes on. So you don't want to miss it. Plans start as low as two fifty a month, and you can sign up right there at relevantmagazine.com. Also, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We're posting every day on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram stories, and it's a great way to stay in touch with all the content we're putting out. You can also sign up for our daily newsletter, which is our top five trending stories delivered to your inbox each weekday morning. And just, you know, the, the thing is, is like, we can't trust the algorithm anymore. So if you want to see what we're putting out every day, uh, make sure to join our newsletter as well as following us on all the socials. Hey, and if you like the music you hear on this podcast, we have some playlists over on Spotify. We update every week. Um, every song you hear on this show is in our Spotify playlist called Heard on the Relevant Podcast. Uh, we update it every week. We also have a worship playlist, indie music playlist, hip hop, others. Go check it out on Spotify. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Jamie Ivey. See you guys on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. And then literally soak myself in mud. Relevant Podcast Network.